37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining me, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. This is episode 138. Now, this episode may be a little shorter than normal because I'm actually going to be by myself. With everything going on in life right now, we had debated whether or not we would just take the week off and just, you know, put something out next week. But we really hate to not put out some kind of content for you guys because we also understand we could all use a bit of a distraction right now. So I'll be by myself as Preston and Steven are taking the day off to kind of continue to, uh, deal with how life is throwing us all these curveballs, our, our work schedules are changing, childcare is changing right now, everything's just kind of topsy-turvy. So I'll be by myself on this episode, but on behalf of Steven and Preston, we just really hope you guys are all doing well. We hope that uh, your lives are not being impacted too crazily. We understand they might be, but we just hope, you know, you guys are making it through this one way or the other. So... We'd like to say kind of uh, the same thing everybody's saying right now. Go wash your damn hands and give this social distancing thing a chance if you can. Now, if you're like the three of us, you're probably still working. Um, that could be a good thing. You know, we're out there on the front lines trying to do what we can to help everybody. Our jobs are requiring that we continue to work through this. So maybe you're like us or maybe you're finding yourself on an intermittent leave. Maybe you're uh, 14 days quarantined or working from home. We just want to take a minute and say we hope everybody's doing well and we hope that everybody just puts their head down and gets through this and hopefully it won't last an insanely longer amount of time. Now on this episode, I thought I would just share one story. And I know we're not a true crime podcast. We will never pretend to be a true crime podcast. But I wanted to share with you guys a story that I've come across several times. Through researching for the show, and even before Pixelated Paranormal was even a thing. And that's the story of the Corpsewood Manor murders, or the murder of Charles Scudder and Joseph Odom. So sit back, relax, and I'll get into it. Now Charles Scudder was a professor of pharmacology at Loyola University in Chicago. He was a widowed father to four boys, and he lived alone with his two dogs. Soon after, he had a roommate join him. Charles had met a man who was a fifth-grade dropout who had spent most of his life on the wrong side of the law by the name of Joseph Odom. Now, when the two met, they hit things off, and Joseph moved in with Charles to help take care of things. You know, tidy up around the house, take care of some chores, and just help Charles out while he was away teaching at the university. Now, as university politics and unruly rumors began to spread, it soon quickly became known that the two were not just roommates, but actually lovers and partners. So, in order to get away from the chaos and the busy life of living in the city, Charles began to look for somewhere new for the couple to live, somewhere they could get away, just be themselves and be left alone. So he soon found a 40-acre plot of woodland in the northern part of Georgia. This area was so sparse and spread out, they were several miles from any neighbor in any direction. And the two agreed this would be the perfect place to start over and begin their new life together. 
So on his 50th birthday, he resigned from Loyola University, sold off almost everything he owned, and the two set out to build their brand new life together in the Appalachians. So the two moved in into a camper on the property, but soon they realized this 40 acres had so much more potential than just to let them live in a camper. So together, brick by brick, stone by stone, they actually built with their bare hands a two-story house. They had a wood stove that provided heat, a chemical toilet in the back that served as an outhouse, and they even grew their own food in a garden behind the manor. They really kind of had it all. They even had a vineyard they used to make their own homemade wine. Now, although Scudder was an atheist himself, he was also fascinated by different religions. So, inside the interior of their home, he decorated wall-to-wall with all sorts of different religious artifacts, occult objects, and antiques. And in the front of the house, they painted and placed a pink concrete gargoyle to look over the rose garden that Odom himself tended to. And next to the house, they built a separate three-story building where the first two stories served as a large chicken coop and the top room was called the pink room that they used for entertaining guests where they would drink, dance, and provide other entertainment. Unfortunately, after building this wonderful house that had all the amenities the two could ask for, there was a series of unfortunate events that unfolded and ultimately led to their demise. Enter Kenneth Avery Brock. Kenneth Avery Brock was a 17-year-old part-time truck driver who had quickly become friends with the two living in Corpsewood Manor. He first met the couple while he was doing some hunting on their property. He quickly befriended the couple, gained their trust, and began hunting off and on in the woods near their house. Soon after, their friendship grew, and Kenneth found himself spending many evenings with the couple, consuming their homemade wine, and some even suspect joining the two in intimate evenings. Now, Brock being down on his luck and having to find somewhere to live, befriended another gentleman by the name of Samuel Tony West, a 30-year-old unemployed construction worker. Now, Brock had told West a tale of a couple of feminine men living in the woods whom he'd befriended in the previous winter. He talked about how he'd go on their property and do some hunting, and on occasion would go to their house and party, drinking their homemade wine. Now, because of Scudder and Odom's relaxed demeanor, Brock believed the two were hiding an incredible stockpile of immense fortune. With the vivid mind of a 17-year-old, he convinced Tony West they could become wealthy beyond their wildest dreams if they would go and rob the two who lived in Corpsewood Manor. So with Brock and West both being down on their luck, they soon concocted a plan to go rob the two at Corpsewood Manor and hatch out a burglary plan. So, beginning in November of 1982, Brock would visit the couple living in Corpsewood Manor several times in an attempt to learn and study their, quote, castle in the woods. But there was one small problem. Because of the amount of time they spent partying in the pink room, Brock never got a chance to really get a good look at the house or to even lay eyes on the supposed fortune the two were hiding. So on the evening of December 12th, 1982, the plan was then set into motion. Brock stopped by his mother's trailer and told her he needed to borrow her 22 caliber Remington automatic rifle to go rabbit hunting. Then, 
The duo stopped to visit Joey Wells and offered to take him and his date, a Miss Teresa Hudgens, out joyriding. West and Brock suggested a visit by the old Corpsewood Manor to have a drink or two of their homemade wine. Now, while Joey himself was thrilled with the notion of free alcohol, Teresa was more reluctant to go party with the, quote, devil worshippers in the woods. Convinced by the others that it would be a ton of fun, she finally relented. So the four individuals made their way through the hilly road to Corpsewood Manor. Before going inside, however, they decided to huff a combination of paint thinner, alcohol, and glue, which they called a toodaloo, meaning once you huffed it, toodaloo. Teresa peered down with a rifle tucked under the two front seats, but didn't think any more of it. Now, Charles greeted the unannounced visitors and bummed a cigarette for Odom, who was in the kitchen cleaning up after dinner. Their visitors came in, climbing up the 40-foot ladder up into the pink room, and were then accompanied by Scudder. Wine was passed around, and the gathering became more merry. However, shortly after Brock stepped out to his car to get a little more toodaloo, he then reappeared with a rifle, which he hid, and then set back down on the mattress where he'd been sitting before. Now, Charles caught a glimpse at the rifle and even made an audible joke saying, bang, bang. But being intoxicated himself, he didn't give it a second thought. Moments later, when Scudder stood up to adjust a lantern, Brock leapt up into action, grabbed Scudder by the back of the head, and slid a knife from out of his military pocket boot and pressed it against the neck of Scudder. Brock demanded money and tossed the professor into the mattress. He cut strips of pin cloth from the sheets and he bound Scudder in his heavy coat. West and Hudgens were terrified and ran to the car, but the engine refused to start. Back in the house, the two could hear West and Brock getting very upset. West stood up, handed his rifle to Brock, and ordered him to go retrieve Odom, who was still in the main house. Upon entering the house, Brock startled Odom and then shot four rounds into his chest, almost instantly killing him. After that, Brock made his way through the house and unfortunately finished off the two bull mastiffs they had as pets. Brock then returned to the pink room and grabbed Scudder and led him back to the house. Upon entering the house, Charles saw the gruesome scene. His lover and their two beloved mastiffs were lying dead on the floor. As he stood over the body of his lover and the beloved mastiffs, he let out a muffled moan, knowing that he too would soon meet the same fate. Brock then led Charles into the library and pulled out the pink gag that was in his mouth. He then ordered Charles to sit down in a chair and ordered him to sit still and tell him where they hid the money. Unfortunately, though, Charles was in shock, and instead of listening to what Brock had to say and following his demands, Charles made his way over to where Odom lay on the floor to see if his lover was okay. This then enraged West, who rose the rifle and shot Scudder in the face at close range. Charles fell down and attempted to speak and get back up. West, even more angry now that he knew there were no riches or money to be found, then fired another shot into Charles, sending him reeling backwards into the bookshelf. Angry, shocked, and determined, Charles attempted one last time to fight back, but was shot three more times. West and Brock then ransacked the house for any other riches they might find. They left only with a handful of dimes and nickels, bits of jewelry, and a silver candelabra, along with a gold-plated dagger, part of their occult memorabilia hanging on the wall. A gold harp they found was too large to be taken, so they had to leave that behind. 
and less than two hours later, after arriving, these four visitors left, splitting up between West's red 1970 AMC Javelin and Scudder's own black CJ5 Jeep that had two very, very visible white pentagrams painted on the doors. Two days after the murder, Charles and Joseph's friend Raymond Williams had come to Corpsewood Manor to let the couple know of a mutual friend who had recently passed away in a neighboring town called Rome. He noticed bullet holes in the green kitchen door and called the police. West and Brock fled the scene, but they were each apprehended with little to no incident. Later during their confession to Chattanooga County Sheriff Tony Gilliand, the suspect stated, All I can say is they were devils and I killed them, and that's how I feel about it. As their trial went underway, Scudder and Odom were labeled as homosexual devil worshippers. Being reclusive made the victims easy targets for bigotry and hatred. To make matters worse, it was soon released that Charles had only recently joined the Church of Satan just to see what it was like. And according to their friend Raymond, he had said the two had pentagrams painted in various spots in Corpsewood Manor, as well as the sides of their jeep, and while pentagrams were signs of satanic imagery, the religion itself does not idolize Satan. However, mixed with the religion shared by Charles, Brock and West's defense attorneys later said the two must have been served wine laced with LSD by Scudder. Yet no evidence had supported these claims. It was then revealed that while being a staff member at the Strick School of Medicine at Loyola, Charles had been the assistant director of the Institute for the Study of the Mind, Drugs, and Behavior, where three vials of LSD-25 were found in a cigar box in his desk. The defense attorney tried to prove the murderers had been drugged and were temporarily insane at the time of the crimes. However, no trace of hallucinogenic drugs were found in the wine at the scene. However, as fate would have it, at trial... Brock was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to three consecutive life terms. He is currently serving out his sentence in Georgia State Prison. Samuel West was convicted of double homicide and sentenced to die in the electric chair. However, that sentence was repealed and he is currently serving out his life sentence at the Augusta State Medical Prison. A private funeral ceremony was held at Corpsewood Manor for Odom, whose ashes were scattered amongst his rose garden. Scudder's body, however, was sent home to Milwaukee at the request of his sister. Not long after Odom and Scudder had been laid to rest, rumors began to spread that supposedly the police investigators and homicide detectives had made comments about how they felt like they were being watched while they were carrying on their investigations at Corpsewood Manor. Thus, Corpsewood Manor became a little bit of a dark tourist destination for many people to go investigate themselves. Now, as it often goes, many people who visit these crime scenes tend to take things home with them as souvenirs, whether they be artifacts, cult memorabilia, or just parts of the house itself. Anybody who supposedly takes home these objects report experiencing several bouts of bad luck, and this itself leads people to believe the house and the artifacts inside are cursed. And many people who visit the property now claim to see large phantom dogs prowling the area, as well as the silhouettes of Odom and Scudder, and say they can hear the disembodied sound of a harp being played in the distance. And that is a tale 
of the Corpsewood Manor murders. Now, I wish we had more time on this episode, but I myself have a few things I have to get taken care of as well. So, we'd like to remind you, there are several shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. You have Mark Solo show, Pixelated Sausage. You have his videocast series, Attack the Backlog. You have our very own 13 Nightmares, in which we'll be releasing the Alien episode, hopefully by the end of the week. And of course, you know the routine. If you have a beard, if you know a beard, if you want to grow a beard, check out our friend over at BigDopsBeardBomb.com. Use promo code PXLPARA and receive 20% off your entire order. And right now, it's all about being clean, so maybe grab yourself a bar of beard soap. And speaking of soaps, check out our friends over at GunslingerSoap.com. Maybe order yourself some really great homemade soaps. And I want to give just a big shout out to our friends over at Fast Print on Harry and Rock and Leslie and John and the gang over at CD Trade Post. And finally, give us a follow on the old social medias. Check us out at PXL Paranormal on Instagram, Twitter. Give us a follow. That's where we drop all the news, all the episode information. Check us out over on Facebook as well. And if you guys have any of your own personal paranormal stories, we would love to hear about it. You guys can email us. We've got an email set up as pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. And we also have a Google voicemail number as well. If you want to give us a call, feel free to dial 913-662-3144 and leave us a voicemail. Let us know what is the weirdest thing you've ever experienced. We'd love to hear about it, and we want to include that on an upcoming show. All right, guys, that's about it. So on behalf of Preston and Steven, I'd love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. Stay spooky, stay on the paranormal highway, and go wash your damn hands. <laughs>